I almost wore uh, one of those outfits, but uh, be a little strange. Good morning. I know, I know, I know. I don't want to be overdressed. <laughs> so a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go with some of our students and adults to the Winter Extreme Conference that Larry, uh, Larry mentioned. We experienced some great teaching, some incredible music, but one moment, one, one experience while we were on that trip hit me square between the eyes. And it was because of the focus that I had for today's message. You see, we're amidst a series on vision. As I shared last week, vision is a God thing. Vision's a human thing. It's a relationship with God thing, and it's a church thing. And those concepts became the layout for this six-week series on vision. But frankly, the Lord put it on my heart months ago to follow up last week's message with one about the past. And, and truth be told, I really tried to skip this focus. I, I, I thought to myself, I, I've been at NCC for a little over four and a half years, and the Lord is telling me to speak to you all, some of you who have been here at NCC longer than I have been alive, about the past? No way. <laughs> Have you ever tried to tell God no? <laughs> so, here we are at this conference in Gatlinburg, and I was probably driving everyone who went on the trip crazy because I would not stop talking. Who said amen? I was not, <clears throat> I would not stop talking about for king and country. I have loved For King and Country since the first time we saw them in concert. Michelle and I, uh, we have seen For King and Country many times, and, and if you haven't, I encourage you to do so. They provide a concert experience that is like no other. God moves through these artists in a very incredible way. And, and so as the concert opens, there's a video playing that's basically a ship on fire. And I thought to myself, everybody here is going to think I'm nuts, because I like this artist group, and here's how they start a concert. It's just a burning ship. So those that have never seen him live, they probably think I'm one, one weird cat. And, and here's the thing. After watching this, this ship on fire behind me this morning, you probably feel a little bit like the same way. You probably think I'm a little weird. Don't judge. All right? We're getting there. We're getting there. So, so as the concert goes on, we come to this spot that I had not experienced before live. They were preparing to perform Burn the Ships, and it's a song we just heard a couple of minutes ago, and, and Luke, one of the brothers, Luke starts talking and telling a story. He's, he's sharing an experience of an explorer. This explorer uh, was Hernando Cortez. Many of you may have heard that name. But here's how the legend goes, all right? Legend says that in 1519, an explorer led 11 ships uh, with around 600 men, and they were headed to Mexico to take the world's richest treasures known during that time. But there was one problem. A strong army had been guarding the treasure, and no one had ever defeated them, though many others had tried. As a result, Cortez saw the fear the apprehension, the hesitation in his men. And as they landed, Cortez commanded one thing, burn the ships. His men obeyed. His men had only two choices, win the battle or die. Because his men did not have the chance to retreat 
or escape. They fought the bravest combat of their lives, and they won. They were victors, and they had all the riches beyond what they could use in a lifetime. Now, truth be told, this morning I did a little research, and and this may ultimately not be true, but it's a great story. Now, what really did seem to happen is Cortez uh, did tell his men to strip and remove the ability to sail any of the ships moving forward. So, with the exception of one, they did keep one ship intact, but This next part of the story came directly from Luke, from For King and Country, and this is indeed true. So I'm going to read his words. When my wife was pregnant with our second son, Phoenix, she was dealing with a lot of morning sickness. She went to the doctor and he gave her some medicine to help with the nausea. I was out on the road a decent amount during that time and I noticed her behavior changed a little bit, but she was pregnant, so that's not unusual. One particular day, I was in Austin, Texas, getting ready for a show that evening. She, she called me and said, I need you to come home. I can't stop taking these pills. I asked my other brother who was in town to go be with Courtney and make sure she was okay. I got on a plane and came home. As the night went on, she would start shaking and having these conversations like, maybe, maybe the doctors just want me to taper off, not stop taking these right away. She was almost hallucinating. Of all the things I've experienced, I think that was the most difficult thing I've ever dealt with because the next day, I had to take her to a mental hospital. When they called her back, I got up to go back with her like a normal doctor's appointment, and they said, no, you you can't come. I felt so much grief in that moment. She had outpatient therapy every day. We actually had some amazing memories of that time. She excelled, she was doing great, but she still felt this pull to the pills. One day I went home and she said, Luke, I've got to symbolize something. I've got to flush these pills down the toilet. I'm done. I'm done with the guilt and the shame. I've got to move into a new way, a new life. When she was flushing those pills, the analogy of burning the ships came to me. The story of the sailors not wanting to explore the new world, wanting the comforts of their boats, Their leader calls them out and says, we've got to burn the ships. This is a new world. It was a unique moment that I'm thankful is in the past. Now, I've shared a bit about this story before, but I'm going to share a few more details with you this morning. Many of you know, uh, as I've shared testimony here, I I struggled a lot as a kid um, and as a, a young adult with anxiety and depression and absolutely a debilitating fear of death, all right? So, fast forward into college, um, I'm making light of that to get to a point, but it was a lot of years and a lot of struggle. And when I got into college, I woke up one morning and decided, I don't want to do what I'm planning to do with the rest of my life anymore. And so I left. I I fell into this horrible depression. Um, I, I fell into despair, into a dark place. Um... And my mom uh, and, and stepdad, they did not live in the area at the time. They lived about an hour north. And uh, so I was in the house all by myself, all, all the time. I mean, I was 20, 21. And ultimately, after this time, um, I've, I've thought many times. You know, I, had, I have two cousins, closest thing I have to brothers. Both have been addicted to heroin. Both have been in prison. I often think, why didn't I fall in that trap? Why didn't I, as I had no hope, 
I had nothing really going. Why didn't I take my own life? Why, why didn't I go down this path of, of destruction? And I ultimately think in, in this weird, twisted, flipped around way, I believe God was using my fear of death to protect me from something that could have been catastrophic. You know, if I was so afraid of dying, why would I hurt myself? Why would I take my own life? Why would I, why would I go down this path with pills or with, with drugs? Why would any of that happen? And you know, fast forward, I was escaping. I, so my, my choice, my pattern was escape. I did everything I could to stay away from anything uh, that was real. And so I, I started acting. I started doing a lot of acting. And one of the things that I, I fell in love with, I preached on it a couple of years ago, was Into the Woods. It's a musical. I got to play the baker in college. It was like a dream role for me. And the last night of the performance, there's a song late in the second act called No More. And this moment for me, I sat there with a, a character that was, was my father, and he was talking about running away, let's do it, let's, let's free from the ties that bind or some of the lines. And at one point, he leaves stage, and the baker is left by himself. And there's a conclusion to the song, no more giants waging war. And I had this moment where I said to myself, no more. I said, I'm done. I'm done running. I'm done hiding. And I was so overwhelmed that I had to leave stage. So literally, I left the stage bare for about 45 seconds. Well, I pulled myself together and, and came back to finish. That was the last day I stepped foot at that community college. I went back to Wright State. And in the Lord's way, a year and a half later, met Michelle. And the first date I have with Michelle, I tell her about my anxiety. She tells me about her anxiety and depression. She says, do you pray about it? That was the first moment someone in my life brought up the idea of praying about my anxiety and depression. In that moment, I found hope. In that moment, in that moment on that stage where I said no more, I burned a ship. And so we all have a past. We all have a story. Because, and because vision's a human thing, we all have to know how hard it is to not be hindered by what's back there. And we have to consider, we, we may have plans or options in this life that are not in line with God's will. So do we compromise our faith in God? It is so incredibly easy to fall into old habits, into routine. But my prayer today is this, that we can look inside ourselves through God's Word and identify what ships each of us, each one of us need to burn to be dead set on following God into our best life into our best future, into hope, which is far greater than we can imagine. And so this morning, I hope, I pray that this message hits you right square between the eyes the same way it did me when For King and Country sang at the end of December. And I think we've got to prepare our hearts for that. Let's, let's pray this morning. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for sustaining and providing and carrying us through times that are not always in line with your will. Father, your, your love, your grace, it is sufficient for our needs. And I pray, Lord, for the hearts in this room today. I pray that they are 
ready to hear what may be in their life separating, from, separating them from you. And Father, I pray they take risks this morning to burn those ships. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. There are a couple of things this morning, a couple of really big ideas that I want you to take away from this morning. And if you have your Bibles with you, uh, do me a favor, turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We are going to read verse 57 through verse 62. I'm going to read. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one. Uh, the words will be behind me. Let me read. As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. Lord, he said, first let me go bury my father. But he said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So that first big idea, the first takeaway this morning that I want you to focus on is that we need to know that Jesus can transform each of us. He can change our lives. However, and I want you to hear this, you have to be willing to let Him, no matter the cost, which means there are ships that need to be burned. Look in this text. Look in Luke chapter 9. Each of these three individuals are willing to follow Christ. However, with, they're only willing to follow Christ with the guarantee of security and comfort. The first individual, it's assumed, was willing to follow Jesus to some comfortable home. But Jesus replies, the Son of Man has no place to lay His head. Think about that for a second. The Creator of the universe is homeless in His own creation. He gave up the riches and splendor of heaven to come to His creation homeless. That's sacrifice. And that's what he's asking of us. So the second person, he wants to go and he wants to bury his father. Perhaps this has to do with inheritance, as it often did. Whatever it may be, Jesus tells him no, that there is something more urgent, much more pressing. He says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. The third person, and this is really, really good. He wants to follow, but he wants to go say his goodbyes first. He wants to take care of these loose ends. How many of us sacrifice so much because of these earthly things we think we need to do? I'm guilty of that. There are t-shirts now you can buy. There are t-shirts that actually said, sorry I'm late, I didn't want to come. <clears throat> sorry I'm late, I didn't want to come. It is so much easier to get lost in our stuff to avoid being relational to avoid being uncomfortable. Jesus replies to this man. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. Do you know what Jesus is saying here? First, think about it. If you are plowing a field, but you're looking back, what happens? There is no way your path is straight. Plowing here refers to our focus. And of course, it also points to the preparation of planting and harvesting. Our desire to stay comfortable or to look back jeopardizes our ability to follow the Great Commission. 
What are you unwilling to let go of that's behind you? What ship are you unwilling to burn so that people may hear the gospel? A lot of people find it difficult to follow Jesus because they love the world. Security and comfort swallows. It chokes out sacrifice. And you know that is hard to think about when the kingdom of God is at stake. Church, we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because frankly, time is short, hell is real, and there are souls at stake. Last week, I uh, began unveiling the first of what are going to become five core values here at Nicholson that, that help us carry out our vision, that help us, uh, help us, like I said last week, flip the script. And the first was uh, ministry, the idea that saved people serve people. And we had some ways and some, some discussion about uh, getting involved and, and serving here within our walls. We're going to talk later about uh, serving on the outside of the walls and how that, that, uh, that changes us. But first, I want to talk about uh, the core value, the second core value, and that is evangelism. And we're going to remember that, we're going to think about that by believing found people find people. And so we want to give you, in the same way we talked about practically serving, we want to give you a way to carry this out, to carry this out once you leave these doors. So beginning next week, you can pick up one of these cliches, one of these silicone wristbands. And what it says on it is, you belong here. And on the back, it says Nicholson Christian Church, nicholsonchristian.org. 
So here is how this works. Every week, they'll be in the back of the room. They'll be ready for you to pick up, and we'll have plenty so you can get one every week with one rule. We want every person to walk out of our doors with one of these on their wrist. The rule is that you're not allowed to walk back in the doors with it on your wrist. So during the week, I know I confused Esther. I'm going to explain. Hang on. She thought she was getting a gift. No, you have to give it away. When you meet people during the week, when you see people, let this be a reminder to you that at some point you decided you belong here at Nicholson. And you know what? There's a lot of hurting people out there that belong here. So what we're going to do is we're going to pass these off of our arms and give them to those random people that we talk with. Maybe it's at the gas station. Maybe it's at the grocery store. Maybe it's somewhere at your place of work where someone can benefit from Nicholson, from belonging here. And so you'll take this off and you'll hand it to that individual and say, let this serve as a reminder of you to join us on Sunday morning, all right? You want more information? There's a website on the back. How awesome will it be to see people walking through these doors that we've not seen before wearing these bracelets? We've got work to do. And so these bracelets next week will be on those tables and we'll see if we can be found people that are finding people. Now, the second takeaway I want you to think about this morning is that we have to welcome the world of Jesus into our lives. I have a big, fat spoiler for all of us this morning. Are you ready? You're not perfect. Now, everyone in here knows that that's the case, right? I think. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Paula just shrugged her shoulders. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But here's the thing. The fact that you're not perfect The fact that you're not perfect cannot be an excuse for your complacency. Look at me with what it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. and, And listen to what Paul writes here. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to hold Uh, to take hold of it because I also have been taken a hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Paul knows he isn't perfect, but he is running after the prize. Look, look at the language that he uses later in this in verse 14. I pursue. He is determined to run the race. And you know, the New Testament, the New Testament, New Testament often uses athletic, determined imagery to grow, on, to grow to become more Christ-like. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we are an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified." Or in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, since we all have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
You see, all of this, all of it is forward motion. Have you ever tried running backwards? I know, it's a, it's a strange concept. However, I have a child who does just that. Esther Grace, she chooses sometimes to move into things backward. All right, so she, um, I, I haven't seen her really run backwards yet, but Esther tends to get very um, caught up in um, things that are around her. So if the TV is on, for example, okay, Esther has almost sat on the dog. Um, she, she always, she'll watch and then it starts like, okay, I'm fixated, I'm going to move backwards, I'm not going to pay any attention to what may be living behind me, but I'm just going to sit down, all right? So she, she kind of does that. We, she got a jewelry box for Christmas uh, and, and I think was fixated on something else and, and sat down on top of it, okay? So backwards is, is a choice for Esther, all right? But we don't want to walk backwards and it's hard. I can't even imagine running backwards. Have you ever tried to run backwards, Esther? No? Okay. Don't do that, all right? It's not, it's not going to work out well, okay? But look, into, look further into what Paul says here. But one thing I do, he's a, he's a one-thing guy. He's a one-thing guy, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. So he is forgetting failures. He's forgetting successes. He's burning ships and only reaching forward to what is ahead. Paul is forgetting as he runs. He is not going to let his achievements of the past, which God has provided or his failures and struggles as a Christian, and before that, remember Paul's story? To prevent his sight from being fixed on the finish line and on the prize. So what's the prize? For that, we have to look back in Philippians, in, in chapter 3 a bit. This is verses 7 through 11 of chapter 3. You know, in this section of Scripture, Paul mentions Christ by name or pronoun nine times in just five verses. But he says this, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things <clears throat> and consider them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, <clears throat> sufferings being conformed to His death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. There's the prize, to know Christ more and to be more like Him. Forget your failures and run. So, so why is this important when we talk about vision? As I said, vision is a human thing, and because of that, we have the tendency to lose sight on what's ahead, and maybe, <clears throat> and maybe what is behind us is positive. Maybe it's, it's good. Maybe our life behind us is positive. But as Paul says, we have a heavenly call. What is familiar is easy. What is familiar is safe. What is familiar is comfortable. What is familiar is on those ships. But what is on those ships can also be stole ceiling. It can be vision killers. What's on those ships can be dangerous. It can be debilitating. It can be deceitful. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Burn the ships. 
You see, the world that is out there, it celebrates compromise. It draws us back to the ships. The world teaches us that we're, to free, we're free to pick and choose whatever fractured pieces or mixed up and convenient parts of this story right here that we should follow. But listen, listen to this this morning. Christ overcame that world. And here's the thing, you may be saying <clears throat> that there is no way, no way whatsoever that I can just turn around and move forward. There's no way I can burn that ship. Rest in this today. Listen to what it says in Romans 8. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare His own Son, but offered Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, He has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or the ships we need to burn? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what ships will you burn today? When we come to remember the sacrifice that Christ made for us, we, we often think about that. We often think that Christ died for us, right? Christ went way beyond what we could ever imagine to give, and that's true. But you also have to meet him somewhere. You also have to understand that you have something to give, that you have ships to burn. And these ships may be separating you from him. So today when you come to these tables, despite whatever table you come to, there is a cross that hangs here that we have light behind that I hope you spend some time looking at and remembering and realizing that while the sacrifice of burning your ship cannot match the sacrifice that he has made. It's a necessity. The ship that you have to burn, and believe me, if, if I wasn't worried about catching a building on fire, we'd be burning stuff this morning, all right? I was ready to throw some things in and burn it, but don't want to catch the building on fire. What can you leave here today? What can you burn to draw you closer to Him. Today is a day that can move you closer to Him. Maybe you say, you know what? I've never even understood or begin to comprehend, begin to wrap my mind around what it means to follow Christ. If that's you, I want to have a conversation with you this morning. Maybe you're somebody who says, I've been holding off on, on joining Nicholson because something's got in the way. I've been holding off on becoming a member here. Burn that ship this morning. Get that out of the way. 
Maybe you're someone who has anxiety or, or you're worried about the whole process of baptism. Burn that ship. Get closer. In just a sec, you're going to come to the tables. There's two in the front, two in the back. And I want you to spend time this morning with the Lord and figure out what ships you can burn today. Stand with me. Let's pray. I'll be up here in the front if you would like to, to chat, have some conversation about what it means to put Christ at the center of your life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning and for the opportunity to come freely and worship you. Father, you are awesome. You are everything to so many of us. And Father, we know there are hearts in this room that are distant from you. There are hearts in this room that struggle. There are hearts in this room that need a ship in that life burned. Father, fill those hearts this morning with courage, with strength, with a sustaining love like only you can provide. Father, bless this time of communion. We ask all these things in your son's precious name. Amen.